0: Election College Episode 30, Andrew Johnson, Reconstruction, and a bunch of disagreements. In this episode, Lincoln is dead, Johnson becomes president, and the country tries to recover from war. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for election college, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So,
1: Jason, it's April 15th, 1865, and yesterday, President
0: Lincoln was shot in Ford's theater. Yeah, Ben, and before we get into it, as expected... We've gotten some feedback this week about our episode about the assassination of the president. And, of course, there are differing accounts of what actually happened.
1: Yeah, and we knew there'd be some uh, things like that. I think we even mentioned it. But what we do know is that there was a plot to kill not only the president, but also William Seward, the Secretary of State, and Vice President Andrew Johnson. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit, and um, but let's go ahead and dive in. Let's talk about Seward for just a moment.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy, Ben, because Lewis Powell, he was a 20-year-old Confederate soldier, and he was selected as the guy who was supposed to kill Seward, the Secretary of State. So Seward had just been injured in a carriage accident pretty pretty severely a week before the attempt. Yeah, and so
1: he's got this broken jaw, and he's got this metal splint uh, hanging around around his neck, and um, his injuries, there were so many that he had to be confined to bed for a few weeks, and come to find out, if somebody wants to kill you, being stuck in bed is not the luckiest place you can be.
0: All right, so uh, this guy Powell, he shows up at the secretary's house, and he's like, hey, I'm from the pharmacy and I've got some medicine and I need to bring the medicine directly to the patient himself. So the butler lets him in because who's a man to deny someone from getting
1: their medicine, right? Of course. Uh, He goes upstairs, not the butler, um, Powell. And forces himself into Mr. Seward's sick chamber. Um, he had gotten some conflict on the way in, and then he wounds the secretary's son, Frederick. He wounds the nurse along the way, and then he forces himself upon Seward and stabs him three times in the throat and twice in the face, which does not sound like fun. Mm-mm. Uh, and they actually say that probably the only reason, um, that he didn't get like dead was, that the secretary didn't get dead was because of this metal jaw brace he had on. And that really just protected him from, from being dealt the final blow.
0: Yeah. And then this guy just Powell, he just goes ballistic. I mean, like he's stabbing everyone. Um, You can imagine, you know, if you've got a gun, boom, it's done. But I mean, he's got, I I just picture him with these knives or, or whatever. And he's just going nuts. Uh, he stabs the guy on the way out, and that guy ends up being paralyzed, but believe it or not, I think there were six people, and nobody died
1: yeah he's he's basically i think what we can call the most ineffective assassin ever to act and I've also heard it said that you have to be obviously you have to be a sociopath to be you know to be a murderous killer but it's even worse if you use a knife instead of a gun, because, right. like you said, a gun you're done a knife you like have to physically and and you know injure the person uh so yeah not yeah. not a nice guy,
0: yeah, so Seward uh survives, and several family members they're they're injured and and friends um but he goes on, and um he'll be part of our story uh, later on even. So, um, yeah, the vice president, there was supposed to be an assassination attempt on his side, too.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll have a crazy story about how he narrowly avoided death with a neck brace
0: or something like that, right? (laughs) Um, No, this is even better. Oh, okay. All right. So, George Atzelrod, I think we mentioned him in passing. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's a German immigrant, and John Wilkes Booth himself actually assigned him to kill Andrew Johnson. So... On the evening of April 14th, Atzelrod, um, he, not Atzelrod, but Atzelrod, he um, stayed at the same place as Johnson, um, but get this, he couldn't muster up the courage to kill him.
1: Yeah, he's in the hotel bar, and he's drinking heavily, and then he just walks the streets of washington drunk and it kind of i know it wasn't but it'd be kind of interesting if the guy who was supposed to be guarding uh, lincoln's booth uh, or box i guess i should say because you know booth confuses people in this scenario but if the guy who was there and they said he went to drink if they were like sitting there drinking next to each other ian atzerott yeah. That'd be fun. I know it wasn't <laughs> actually the same bar, but anyway. Uh, so, Azeroth asks the bartender, hey, where's Andrew Johnson? And um, after Lincoln's death, this causes a lot of suspicion, obviously, and he's wondering why it's going on. So, they catch him.
0: So, during his trial, get this, Ben, um, his attorney says that Azeroth was such a constitutional coward. That if he had been assigned the duty of assassinating the VP, he could never have done it. And that from his known cowardice, Booth probably did not assign to him any such duty.
1: Yeah, that's... Um, I would be a little bit offended if that, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> if that was said of me, I think.
0: So, On you, know, you got people thinking, hey, this guy is a, a murderer. Uh, some people saying, hey, this guy is a drunk. And others saying... Oh, he's a coward. And it turns out that he's all three Uh and he ends up getting hanged anyway. Yeah.
1: Not, not a great scenario for him, but probably worked in
0: the best interest of the country at the moment. Yeah. Um, He didn't really live up to that quote of Lincoln. Didn't he say, whatever you do, be good at it. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to do something you don't want to do, but if you're going to do it, do it right. Um. So then like, All this builds up to the fact that, first, Andrew Johnson's still alive. He didn't die. And two, uh, Abe Lincoln, Honest Abe, um, is dead now. He was assassinated. So what happens next?
0: Yeah. So hours later, Johnson is sworn in as president. And there's actually some conspiracy theories out there about Johnson being involved with the plotting to kill the president but i mean really we could go off on how many conspiracy theories out of this so we'll just stick with the fact that okay johnson becomes president and he's got several goals for reconstruction yeah and i think the
1: um Even for conspiracy theories, I somewhat follow and believe as far as presidential stuff goes or really anything else that might come up in this show. For the sake of the show, I'm kind of going to always lean towards the uh, official statement that's not a conspiracy for the sake of this is what everyone says. But we all know there's some goofy stuff that happens out there. So anyway, uh, Johnson has these three goals for Reconstruction and He's already off to a bad start with the Senate and already off to a bad start with his cabinet that he he pretty much just says to the cabinet who's already there for Lincoln. All right, just come on over. We'll just start with you guys and see how it works out. So he <laughs> gets inaugurated or uh, brought into office, swears in, and he's like, all right, I got three goals during this reconstruction phase. I don't, I don't know if he actually said that, but we know he had these three goals.
0: Yeah, so he was all about getting – the southern states back on good standing with the rest of the union so he's like hey let's get these states restored um they hey guess what they never left the union and really they should be recognized um as loyal citizens um get the get the good guys to form a government and and this is great. Now, Johnson said that African-American suffrage was a delay and a distraction and that it always had been a state responsible state's responsibility to decide who should vote. So um, I'm just going to call it like I see it. And I think it's pretty cowardly.
1: Yeah, it's definitely pretty cowardly. And part of that, even, I mean, he was pretty outspoken about that. He was a Southerner, but they did bring him in uh, to a Northerner's, race for the president into lincoln's race and they even said like the reason we're bringing him in is because he's a southerner and we want some support from down there so it's really interesting to me that with the position he took that booth wanted him dead so badly because he's almost more of a benefit to the south than he is to the north right Because he just doesn't he doesn't take a stance on it and says it's states rights and that's what the south's like that's what we've been saying the whole time Right. It's, it's our decision.
0: Yeah, and you think about it, okay, hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was genius of Lincoln to have Johnson be his vice president. He, right. he really needed a Southern Democrat on the party ticket, but Lincoln, of course, isn't thinking at the time, oh, I could be assassinated, and this guy could actually become president. So, Right,
1: no one really ever is.
0: Yeah, so let's go back to the three points here. The second thing that Johnson really wanted to do was to get political power in the southern states, that that power should not be in the hands of the elite, but which would be called the planter class, um, but really should go into more of that middle-of-the-road economically, the the plebeians, right? Right. So, Johnson feared that the freedmen, um, many of whom were still economically bound to their former masters, they might vote at their direction.
1: Right. Yeah. And um, part of the issue here is that he, one, doesn't really want them to vote because he thinks that it should be state's rights. So if it's state's rights, they're not going to choose for the uh, freedmen to be able to vote if they have the option. And if they do, he's fearful that they're going to listen to the rich dudes instead of the common man so all around he's just trying to work the system so that the common man has the upper hand here
0: yeah and so johnson has a uh, this three-pronged <laughs> uh goal sheet he's got this little checklist out yeah but he probably had a palm pilot back then right? yeah
1: well i think i think palm was a little later Okay, just yeah. a little bit
0: later. Okay, yeah. well, the third thing on his checklist was, hey, 1868 is going to be coming around before we know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to win.
1: Yeah, uh, before this, I didn't even know I wanted to be the vice president, and now I'm president, and I want to stay that way.
0: Yeah, so a little bit of background.
1: Andrew Johnson, not not always getting along with the Senate and the House and Uh, They're not always best buds. There's a couple times where he actually tries to enact different things, and the Senate's like, no, uh, you're probably not going to do that. I I guess it was the House, right? I always get confused which which gets to decide first. Congress, Uh in some way, shape, or, or form, says about multiple things we don't want you to do that. So we're going to veto what you're going to, we're going to pass something, you're going to veto it and we're going to overrule you anyway. And so there's just this constant back and forth between Johnson and Congress where they don't
0: get along so well. Yeah. Let's talk about a little bit about the political parties Uh because That's really what was going on in Congress. You had the radical Republicans. And I think most of us would say, well, why even say that they're radical? Uh Um, Because in our day and age, we view slavery as just an abomination. But really the only party at that time that was standing for, hey, African Americans are – let's just face it. They are 100 percent – human beings and they were not treated as such and really the radical republicans were the only party at this time only major political party at this time who were saying yes they are free they are full citizens that they have the right to vote or they should have the right to vote and come on let's let's move past this so um
1: Obviously, at the time, well, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I think they didn't call themselves radical Republicans. They just called themselves Republicans. But they were split into two factions, radical and moderate. And, um, So you've got these moderate Republicans as well who are pretty much just want to keep the Democrats out of power, and they don't want the former rebels – or maybe they thought they were still rebels, I don't know (laughs) – to resume their power. And so they were just like – they were not enthusiastic at all about uh, African-Americans, or I guess they weren't African-Americans at the time. They were considered black people because they weren't considered American yet. But uh, at any rate, they were – they didn't really care so much about suffrage, um, not like the radical Republicans did. And there could be a multiple different reasons for that. It could be political concerns. Uh, they could be persuaded that anybody who was a freedman would be likely to cast his vote badly, which one comes from a point of view that they're not educated, which they weren't technically educated, but but not that they weren't intelligent. Um, and, uh, it, it also opens up the realization to me now, here in 2015, that well, if you don't want them to vote badly, then treat them like human beings and teach right. them the way you want to the, to them to learn. And so um, they they were still better off than the Democrats at that time. Uh, or more likely the South in general, not just Democrats, but the majority of Democrats, I suppose, but they still weren 't quite all the way there
0: yeah, and so the the Democrats as you mentioned ben you know at at this time, they are not pro african American suffrage, or really they're they 're really not addressing this head on in the way that uh, I think any sensible American would, would see now or any sensible human being. Um, you had Democrats in the North and they're, they're saying, Hey, let's restore these Southern states unconditionally. They need to be just brought back in. Um, we do not support African American suffrage. Um, why? Well, it's purely political because it might threaten democratic control in the South,
1: right, right, absolutely. So that's a kind of a little overview of the the three slash four major opinions uh, as far as the political parties went, and really what we're what we're talking about this impacting is the way that construction uh, or reconstruction happens, and. We'll start off – we can talk about uh Johnson and his plan for presidential reconstruction. We talked a little bit about his kind of three overarching points, mm-hmm. um, which didn't all work out for him very well. But uh it starts out pretty much with Johnson coming up with his own plan because he has no other choice because Congress isn't in session at the moment. So Johnson pretty much says – um. Okay, everybody, uh, you're back. Thanks for coming. Uh, we appreciate it. Go ahead and do your own thing, <laughs> yeah. and then we're just gonna go ahead and say you're part of the United States again.
0: So, um, all right, cool. Yeah. So Johnson's first Reconstruction actions. He actually had two proclamations, and his cabinet was like, "Yeah, <laughs> let, let's do this." <laughs> and and one of them recognized um the Virginia government. Um, and then the second one said, "Hey, all you ex-rebels, um you're you're off the hook, all right? Unless you're a property owner and that property is valued at $20,000 or more." So, they appointed a temporary governor for North Carolina and they said, "Hey, you can have elections." Um, but guess what, Ben? What's that? Neither of the proclamations that were made uh-huh. had any provisions Regarding black suffrage or uh, freedmen's rights. So the president was like, okay, states' rights. I'm going to order constitutional conventions in all the other southern states and have at it. Yeah. And this really, I mean, this whole philosophy
1: where he's kind of almost laissez faire uh, just um, creates. Even more issues because, like I said, he just kind of said, Okay, make your own things up, and now you're part of the union again. And in the meantime, southern states are like, Hmm, we should do this thing where African American laborers are former slaves, or they're not going to be slaves anymore. But they're going to be laborers on these annual contracts, and they're not allowed to quit and uh law enforcement can arrest them for pretty much anything they want to, and then they can rent out their labor because they're you know they're prisoners, so it doesn't matter and so you start getting basically yeah. slavery after slavery is no longer really technically allowed
0: right, and you had um Southerners being elected to Congress who were former members of the Confederacy. Um, Like in um, Georgia, they had um, the senator um, who was actually the former vice president of the Confederacy, Alexander Stevens. And it's like, okay, weren't you just... (laughs) Weren't we just fighting against you? don't we hate you? And so... (laughs) It's just crazy. Um, Now, Congress refused to seat a lot of these southern legislators, and they appointed committees to, you know, go back and say, hey, we need to rethink this. But um, there was – I mean, there was just a lot of, I mean, bitterness. I mean, this is only, you know, months and years after people are being slaughtered. Right. And here we're supposed to work together, um, so the the Republicans in all of this they were fearing that um, these Southern states were going to go back to to Democrat and um, yeah, it's just a it's just a bad situation. Yeah, and it all comes down to politics, right?
1: Exactly. Nothing. Nobody really considers the the feelings or rights or whatever you want to call it. Of the people who are most impacted by these things, and so we're gonna we're gonna skip over a lot of stuff here. But um, things got pretty contentious between Congress and the president, President Johnson. At this point, I mean, not that they were ever great, uh, but they continue getting bad. And so he vetoes a Civil Rights Act. He is pretty much opposed, though he doesn't come right out and say it, uh, to the Fourteenth Amendment. Um, it actually gets put up for ratification by the different states and as the states are saying yes we're cool with that he's supposed to announce it and he won't (laughs) so (laughs) so congress has to pass this law that says you've got to announce it because that's your job and then you've got to do it within 10 days of finding out so he waits like nine hours 23 or nine days 23 hours 59 minutes and is like okay they accepted it um, so things just don't get better, and he's just really contentious with the majority of people. And so it starts to get around the time for the primaries, and we'll, we'll get into that in the next episode.
0: Yeah, so I can't imagine what I, it would I be like. I said
1: primaries, and I totally meant convention. Okay. Yeah, but you get what I mean.
0: <laughs> so as we're moving into the time to be reelected, and, and as he's thinking about that, because that is the third prong, uh, to Johnson's goals, um, can you imagine what it would have been like if Johnson had Facebook? <laughs> I mean, the guy is pretty narcissistic. Uh, selfies and, all day long. Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking he's doing this and doing that. And he's just like, I mean, he's really uh, taking the bull by the horns, but it's really not the bull that anybody. Wants the horns to be taken by, right. if if yeah. that makes sense. So, yeah, um, yeah he's, he's pretty much doing his own thing. And uh, it's kind of interesting because Congress is trying to deal with this guy. Mm-hmm. And they actually passed this um, Tenure of Office Act to keep cabinet members because yeah. – He's like, you know, you're fired. <laughs> and <laughs> Congress is like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa we need them, we need them. <laughs> so, and I know it happened. I I believe it happened even with um, Edward, uh, or I'm sorry, Edwin Stanton, his Secretary of War. Uh-huh. There was there was a lot of disagreement there with him, and actually, out of this, you know, oh, I need to keep this guy around because I respect them. But I really disagree with him. Right. And he was a Lincoln holdover, like much of the cabinet was. Um, what are we going to do? Or I should say, what am I going to do? And so, Congress, um, yeah, they're saying, you know, you can't fire cabinet members. And, right. Um, it was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. And it gets to the point, And by the way, uh, Stanton, he's working in cahoots with uh, General Grant. Uh, who'll come mm. into play here pretty big time soon. Um, but Congress says you can't do that. And then Andrew Johnson's like, eh, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna fire Edmund Stanton. And so Congress basically says, Well, I guess we're just gonna impeach you.
0: <laughs> that's a great idea. <laughs>
1: I mean, what else are you gonna do at that point? And so uh that's that's exactly that's exactly what they do. They they move for impeachment. He's the first one that actually has that motion made on him, the first president. Mm-hmm. And it ends up failing. They don't actually convict him of anything. Um, did they even actually impeach him, or was it just brought to a vote? I don't...
0: Yeah, he was impeached, and of course he wasn't convicted. But right. this is kind of interesting, because the only reason why he wasn't convicted... Again, right. totally a political thing, because mm-hmm. the Senate was like, well, the uh, pro tem, who would be the next in succession. right? So, uh, just to back up just a little bit, nobody became vice president when Andrew Johnson became president. So, mm-hmm. the Senate pro tem was the, the next in line. He was a, a senator from Ohio, Senator Wade. Um, he was a radical Republican, Right, So the rest of the Senate was like, um, well, if we convict the president and he's out of here, we've got this radical who is going to just completely reverse everything that we think should happen Mm -hmm. and everything Johnson thinks should happen. Right. So – they're like, okay, well, we can put up with this guy for a few more years, right? <laughs> uh, I
1: suppose in worst-case scenario, they would. But it's kind of funny because what they're doing is saying, well, we're going to put, put you on trial for impeachment. for Or we're going to impeach you and put you on trial for not doing what you're supposed to do. And in the process, they were not doing what they were supposed to do by letting him just do whatever he needed to do for the sake of politics. So – What goes around comes around,
0: I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And what we actually end up having is one of the worst corrupt governments in our history. And it's kind of interesting, Ben, because we had before Lincoln...
1: James Buchanan, right? Who probably is only is the only one that most people say beats out Johnson for worst president ever.
0: Yeah, and then you got Lincoln, who a lot of people say, "Oh, that's my favorite president." Mm -hmm. And then you got this guy, yeah, Johnson. Yeah. So no offense to uh, to our friends in Tennessee. You know, we've we've really tried to uh, give uh, old Hickory props. You know, Andy Jack. We spoke really well of him. Um, you know, he's a kind of a favorite son. Um, but that other son, Andrew <laughs> Johnson. Yeah. Oh.
1: Hey, so we'll come back to Andrew Johnson's, oh, here's a spoiler for you, to Andrew Johnson's end of term what? in the next episode. Uh, and we'll also
0: revisit that guy named Grant, right? Yeah, we got to talk about him, right? Absolutely. And is he buried in Grant's tomb? Ooh, who is? All right, I think that's everything for this episode. Uh, Jason, do you have anything else? Well, uh, if you have 30 seconds, and obviously you do have a little bit of time on your hands, you've been listening to us.
1: If you're driving right now, you can ignore this. Like, just pause it and wait till you get where you're going, and then, then resume right here.
0: Yeah, okay. So... For those of you who are still on the line, or if you were driving, welcome back. Thanks. Hey, don't forget, um, we are on social media. We're on Twitter at Election College. Uh, We're over on the Facebook at Election College and also Instagram. And if you do have those 30 seconds available, head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a comment. We really appreciate it and helps get our show in front of more people just like you.
1: Yeah, seriously, when you go out to eat, do you look at the reviews if you've never been there before? Yeah. What if everybody was just like you and never left a review? How would you feel?
0: Not to make you feel guilty, but... But do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody, this is Ben. And this is Jason. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.